Go ahead, Ray. You! You worthless piece of slime! You ignorant, disgusting clown! Nothing but an unstable short chain molecule! It's the stuff. It's like pure concentrated evil. It's all flowing right to this spot. Material devolution has begun. And we're back at it again here in San Diego. Another beautiful Saturday afternoon. How's it going, Matt? It's going well, Devin. Uh, was a great soccer game that we just witnessed, Copa del Rey. Yeah, Copa del Rey final. Barcelona just put it to Athletic Bilbao. They showed resilience to Bilbao, but in the end, Messi's wonder goal and just some great teamwork won out. Uh, beautiful, beautiful display of a beautiful game. Awesome, and we're truly blessed to be able to watch such uh, creative soccer. Yeah, you know, it's, a, it's an amazing thing to be able to watch the best team in the world playing their best football, maybe one of the best teams of all time, if not the best team of all time. So it is something special. But while all this good stuff's going on, and next week we've got a Champions League final where Barcelona plays Juventus, and the winner is going to win the treble, which is you know the esteemed triple crown of soccer where you win the league title, the league tournament, and the international tournament, the most prestigious one. Uh, it's going to be an amazing game. All this great stuff's going on. We've got a scandal, uh, a scandal with FIFA, and uh, it's pretty crazy. It's probably overtaking the news for a day or two before the cycle is going to kick into something else. But as huge fans of the beautiful game, it's distressing to say the least. Uh, Matt, why don't you tell us a little bit about the story? Yeah, nine FIFA officials and five corporate executives indicted for racketeering, conspiracy, and corruption. So sounds like a mafioso type of uh, type of story. The Justice Department uh, is going after them. A 47-count indictment was unsealed uh, in the federal court in Brooklyn, New York, charging 14 defendants with racketeering, wire fraud, money laundering conspiracies, and other offenses in connection with the defendants' participation in a 24-year scheme to enrich themselves through the corruption of international soccer. The guilty pleas of four individual defendants and two corporate defendants were also unsealed. So they already pleaded guilty. Well, that, that's, usually how, that's usually how these investigations go. They don't go after the big people until they've already got the rats to roll over, right? You've right. got to have the moles on the inside giving you basically the inside scoop on what's going on. Mm -hmm. How else can you prove these bribes are happening? Yep. So they uh, were charged with conspiring to solicit uh, well over $150 million in bribes and kickbacks. Over the course of like 25 years, right? 25 years, yeah. Sounds about par for the course for what you'd expect from FIFA. Yeah, you know, I'll take 10 million a person, you know, 25 years, no big deal. You know, it's funny for me, this story, because people who know about FIFA, they just know it's such a corrupt organization, really. And most major sports have a huge element of corruption, which we'll get to later, but especially in soccer, people have just known that there's just this huge undercurrent of corruption issues with FIFA. Some of it's structural, uh, some of it's just natural human instinct, but it, it's just surprising that it finally took so long for something to happen like this. It almost seemed like they could do no wrong. This would just go on forever, didn't it, Matt? It did. It was almost... It was almost like they just snubbed their nose at everybody. Like, everybody knew you're corrupt. The way that your organization operates is, is corrupt. 
the way the where it operates because it's not really an NGO. It's not really a. Um, it's not really you know anything. It kind of operates in this gray area. There's no. It's just a governing body of a sport, a nonprofit. So it just kind of yeah with yeah with six one, six billion dollar revenues. Yeah, exactly. A nonprofit, exactly. six billion dollar revenues. So you know, but they operate in this in this gray area of legal, um, you know, of, of actually legal oversight because they're not um, they're not actually a business. They're not actually a uh, an NGO, and so they kind of have slipped by for this long, kind of saying, "Hey, what are you going to do to us?" And uh, well, now finally it caught up with them. Well, it's funny why it caught up with them, but uh, back to how you know they're so corrupt. Uh, a great article about this. If you really want to get a good summary on what happened, it's called "Everything You Need to Know About FIFA's Corruption Scandal" by Kevin McFarland. It's on Wired. And it's a great, great article. Really summarizes what's going on very well. If you want to just get an overview of things without getting too lost, and he's got a great quote about how he thought FIFA's become so corrupt. And the quote is, "It all comes down to how FIFA's organized. Each of the 209 member nations get a single vote when it comes to electing a federation president and executive committee. That means that the Maldives, Trinidad and Tobago, or Andorra." have the same say in federal decisions, federation decisions as Brazil, Germany, or England. The smaller countries, and the mostly men who run their countries for federations, they also receive an equal cut of FIFA's revenues, which means there's no incentive for them to change any of the structure to the voting process." End quote. So you can see from... Uh, so now you can see why Blatter got re-elected you can, you can see why I got re-elected. <laughs> But McFarland, he, uh, he puts it so eloquently there yeah, that you know going pretty well for us. Let's go ahead and keep it the way we had. If you know a lot about soccer, soccer is really driven by the stars, and the stars play in these major countries and major leagues. And right now, it's Italy, Spain, England, Germany, France. You know, the United States is more of a secondary market in, in this grand scheme of things. So there's these Third tier so there's these like six or seven countries that are huge powerhouses in soccer. And they generate all the revenue, pretty much. All the stars play there. Yet you've got countries with maybe 50,000, 100,000 people there. National team never places anywhere. Has very few players in international leagues. They get an equal cut of the money. So they definitely want somebody like Sepp Blatter in charge. And people wonder, like, why, how? There's a lot of ways that you basically have legal bribes happening, too. You know, like, the money with... The, the under the table stuff. This is stuff we've known about for a while, I think, Matt. But for me, there's a lot of stuff going on, which is basically legal bribery. And that's when you're an executive with FIFA. You're treated very well. You're flown first class around the world to different meetings, put up in five-star hotels. They're giving $500 a day per diems, executive luxury gift packages at private luncheons and festivity award ceremonies. You know, this is all through nonprofit. So, you know, you're filtering your money, essentially, to people in the form of gifts for being in a position based on, you know, absolutely something tertiary, a voting opinion. Right. So, like, structurally, he really shows how problematic it is because it's inherently designed to be exploited. You know, it's, put in, it's, it's positioned in a way where all the small countries are always going to do what's most beneficial for them. So with the scandal going on right now... A lot of the big countries, the United States, most of Europe was like, we're not going to vote for Blatter. The African Confederacy said all of Africa stands behind Mr. Blatter. That's 54 countries. Well, yeah, they do. 
They're the, they're the guys getting away with it the most. The most corrupt countries in the world are in yeah, Africa. Exactly. You know, if you get the top ten most corrupt countries in the world, pretty sure seven or eight of them are in Africa. And that's not to say Africa's not a great country. They just have a lot of problems with corruption. Yeah. I mean, look great at what country, else, look at, great, great, great continent. Look at what else they have a lot of great countries like in power that FIFA yields, right? Like wields, right? Is that FIFA creates World Cup courts system an actual court system in, in africa for the african world cup did you ever see anything about this you ever hear about this the world cup court yeah it was a world cup court and they actually like tried like two people in basically one day can't remember exactly what it was for but they actually set up a separate court uh you know judicial structure during while the world cup was going on who were they trying to prosecute well, they ended up, it was just like these, these two guys who, I guess, shoplifted or something, and they got deported out of the country. But anyway, it, it, I just thought that you might have heard, heard about this story. But they, okay. they do that. They go in, they change rules, they, they become tax-exempt when they, when they come into countries for World Cups and things like that, too. So it just talks about, you know, the, the power that they have. So you have to think about how much power these, these executives feel like they, they have. You know what I mean? They, so they do feel this sense of entitlement and untouchable. Of course. And I mean, you just look at their behavior and you can see that they're intentionally doing exploitive things to take advantage of the system. So instead of hosting World Cups in countries that have the infrastructure and design for it, lately there's been a trend in the last two World Cups that have happened and the two World Cups that are going to happen. If you look back, Matt, you know, we have South Africa and Brazil, which both just happened, and we're going to have Russia and Qatar coming up, right? Yeah. So in both Brazil and uh, South Africa, there's a great piece on ESPN recently, 30 for 30, about white elephants, they called them. And white elephants, nickname for a stadium that never gets used again. It was built for a singular purpose, you know, a, a Olympics, a World Cup. And it's constructed multi-million dollar extravaganza to never be used again, essentially. Yeah. And you look at all these places, Brazil, South Africa, they didn't have the infrastructure to really have a World Cup. They didn't have the hotels, the, the highways, the parking, the transportation, the stadiums, the mainland. The stadiums where the money's really at, but everything yeah. else is around that. But they didn't have the stadiums, so they had to build stadiums. That's part of the requirement of the World Cup. You need to have X amount of things, and you have to agree to it as a country in the bidding process. So it's like, okay, we agree we'll build these stadiums, Mm -hmm. We'll accept all the costs, and FIFA gets to decide who builds the stadiums. So now you've got, okay, who's going to get this $400 million contract to build this stadium? We need to build six of them, seven of them. Who's going to get awarded these contracts? And every World Cup this happens. Brazil, they had to build stadiums. Now they're going to have to build stadiums, obviously, in, in Russia. Some areas are uh, they're, they're too far away, essentially, the traveling. Mm -hmm. They need to have more connects. And Qatar, especially, more than anywhere, has no infrastructure for it. Yeah, well, you know, Qatar. I mean, good lord, you know, twelve hundred people have died building these things already. I, yeah, I read something that more than five hundred. I didn't these know these stadiums. Yeah, twelve hundred. Yeah, they expect they they expect four thousand to die prior to the World Cup starting. It's similar to how they built Dubai in that regard, and they trick a lot of poor immigrant workers to come there. They take your passport. You're put in very unsafe working conditions to work all day for less than a wage you were promised to build these giant Goliath stadiums that are going to be used a few times and then it'll become, you know, spots for pigeons to drop on. Exactly. Like, where is that? What's the Brazilian uh, one that was... The one of Manus? About? Is that what it is? Manus? So yeah. Manus was the one in the heart of the Amazon. Yeah. More than 500 miles from anywhere. They, they had, play, they they had, they had to boat the shit in. 
So they'll build yeah. it. They're like, hey, we just got to get on and put this up on a barge, boat it in there. No big deal. This seems like a great place to build a stadium. Definitely going to use this again. <laughs> because it's got nothing to do with that. It's got everything to do with how much money is made by the company that's building the stadium. Well, it's like you said. How much of that is pro- – it's going to cost $500 million. Well, we need to obviously make money building that. We're not going to do this for nonprofit. We're not doing it for free. So how much of that's profit? 400 of the 500 million? Oh, so then how much of that's less left than, for less than that, I would assume. Who knows how much is left for kickbacks? Well, I don't know. I would just I would I would assume that um, it would probably be they probably make 20% on a job like that. Yeah, I mean, I'm not familiar with construction costs, but what 20% of 500 million is 100 million. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. So, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, we're talking I mean, it's not it's not peanuts. It's, it's not, not making peanuts. good money, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm not familiar with the percentages. Well, maybe that's more like if it's like normal. I mean, if you're using slave labor like in Qatar and you have these people held hostage because you took their passport. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And then they're like, hey, you live in squalor. You live here because you don't have any papers to even travel outside the camp that you live in. So basically, you just, you're just in a, in a detention center of sorts with uh, work to do. <laughs> and then you don't get paid for months at a time. Sounds like fun, right? Sounds great, actually. You know, especially when it's impossibly hot in fucking Qatar. Could you imagine? Ten. It's like over 120 degrees. Dude, I don't even know how they're gonna play. How are they gonna play soccer here? I remember seeing something where they talked about building a, a machine that's gonna make clouds. It's supposed to make clouds that are gonna hover over the stadiums and keep that air cool. Jesus. I mean, where they're talking about inventing like technology that Storm and the X Men has. That, that's, a, that's a proposed solution for this. That's, it's not about that. It's about the money. That seems safe. You know, we should manipulate weather on the uh, just for soccer so soccer players don't die. Well, interesting proposition. They've said, what would happen if all the famous teams said they weren't going to go? Yeah, what would happen? You know, would FIFA collapse? Of course. Would a secondary organization pop up? Well, if, yeah, something's going to take its place. Or a different form of FIFA. It just won't be the same thing, the same structure, the same people. Do you ever see like a? Do you ever see the picture of their boardroom, FIFA's boardroom? No. It looks like the the evil room, like the headquarters of like Doctor No. Oh, it's basically like a Bond villain thing. It was just, just like. Well, it. everybody has the joke. Seth Blatter is like a Bond villain. It looks just like it, how though. how he talks, how he treats people, how he gets away with all the shady stuff, how he looks. You know. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. You're expecting him to turn around with a bald cat and be petting it on the head. Exactly. <laughs> Definitely. So for me, something that was funny uh, also on this was a lot of stuff I've been seeing and reading about it. Americans have been taking this like holier than thou episode about the whole thing. Like, you know, that's right. America doesn't stand for this. And if you do this on our shores, we're going to catch you. And I thought in this article by McFarland, he had another great quote where he kind of exposes the hypocrisy of what we do. And the quote is, the United States is just mediocre enough not to inspire the same reverence for the sport, which means the Justice Department cares more about the rampant financial corruption in this instance. Endemically, American sports leagues, the NFL, the NBA, MLB, for instance, they can get away with holding cities hostage for taxpayer money to rebuild stadiums or locking players out to get a larger share of the league revenue because Americans care too much about seeing the sport to rise up against the shady business. End quote. So we actually have the same corruption in all our sports here. Every major sport, same similar corruption. Shakedowns for stadium owners and builders getting Dude, cities I would to pay say for even stuff. In the United States, it's even worse. People are blind to the fact that, like the NCAA. Oh, NCAA is like 
as FIFA. As, as South Park famously put it, put it a quit. They compared uh, them to slaves, right? In South Park episode. I mean, you, you have to you have to take that in a little bit of consideration when you start looking at the amount of revenue that these teams are generating for these schools and where that revenue is actually going back to bigger stadiums, uh, large uh, coaches' salaries. Um, you know, in a lot of a lot of states, the the, the most highly paid public official is a football coach it's it's obscene it really is obscene but it makes sense economically because from their point of view what's the university thinking the football program brings in the most money to make the most money we need the best football program to have the best football program you need the best coach to get the best coach to get the best coach what do you need the most money you need to spend the most money so you know it's very intrinsically linked to, to the money, as it always is, you know. So, I just found it very, very ironic. As always, I mean, let's let's that, talk that, about this though, because FIFA exploits countries that have large disparities in income. I'm talking like Brazil, South Africa, and you know, Americans aren't taken advantage of by the sports institutions as much as you're the, right. You're right. These countries well, are. I mean, like what, when, what, when they come in and they, they propose like tax exempt status, right? Like I, I want to be tax exempt for all the revenues, city, um, freaking state uh, taxes when we come in for our World Cup, and we're just gonna leave with the entire amount. I would agree with you entirely. America, when it comes to sports, sticks to primarily exploiting itself domestically. When it wants to exploit the international community, it goes to different areas than sports. So I will give you that. FIFA is not necessarily, though, just, you know, a singular organization. They're based in Switzerland, but it's an international organization, you know? So it's like... Dude, FIFA reported that it received $3.8 billion in tax-free revenue. How much? FIFA reported that it received $3.8 billion in tax-free revenue. Last year. And that and that and year that was the year. most profitable in FIFA history. However, South Africa had a $3.1 billion net loss from hosting the games. <laughs> Wouldn't you think that they'd come in and actually help this country? Like, where they the country would profit and prosper off of having such a large event and bringing in people? And so... That's exactly what happened. So FIFA took $3.8 billion in tax-free revenue, and South Africa lost $3.1 billion uh, the same year. And South African uh, tourism dropped by half compared to previous years because the World Cup countries, like when, when the World Cup was there, people didn't go there because it was so crowded. So like they lost a lot of revenue over those people those only went there for the world cup they didn't go there that year for other stuff during the summer yeah they didn't yeah. spend other money and you know yeah whatever else yeah exactly isn't that crazy i mean it, it's unbelievable and this this too so um similarly in the european tours operation conducted a study in 2006 of countries that hosted the olympics which showed tourism decline that year the year pre and post olympics tourism declined so it spikes during that time, I guess when they're you know when they're occupied by the you know because it's an influx of mm -hmm. people, but then the year before and the year after, they they lose it because people are like okay well if we're gonna go to China if we're gonna go wherever we're gonna go during the Olympics, see what I'm saying? I do. So they see a drought. So in in the uh, the years prior and post to uh, to hosting an event like that.
I mean, if we want to look at the overview of the situation, I mean, what's the problem? I think... I the problem kind of, is I, lack of oversight. No, I, I summarized it earlier. It's structural on one end, and then it's human uh, instinct or behavior on the other. The combination of those two, it's organized in a way to be exploited, and it's natural human instinct to want to exploit it. Because these are huge organizations. If they change the structure, they'd make them very less likely to be corrupted. But why would anybody want to change it? They want it to be corrupt. Well, it's all about gaining power, right? Everybody who's a member of the organization is like, well, why should we be a member of this if it's not corrupt? We can't really gain anything from it. It's not that beneficial. <laughs> well, you think that an organization would actually be doing what it's supposed to and, and reinvesting in the sport in you know areas where it, it could need it most. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, there's the corruption so rampant at this point. Oh yeah, I mean that's the, that's the last thing on their mind. They're not building fields and giving soccer balls to people. Fuck that. When you have Seth Blatter talking about cooperating with authorities and FIFA will get to the bottom of this, I mean it's ignorance at best. You know, asinine line at worst to think that this guy is going to be able to solve the problems we have with corruption when he's been at the heart of it for the last 25 years. I mean, has he not been seeing it? For 25 years? Oh, or, or, or is he a part of it? Which is worse. I almost think it's worse if he wasn't corrupt. If in all of this, he wasn't tied into the money and making any bribes, I'm like, that's twice as bad. Uh -huh. that's, that's twice as bad. Because that means every single person underneath you has been doing this underneath your nose for 20 years without your knowledge. The fact that you couldn't be implicated is almost like an indictment to your stupidity. It's kind of like George Bush with Iraq. Like, if you weren't responsible in any way, that's somehow worse. Because... You didn't intend to do anything. You're just incompetent. Uh -huh. For me, incompetence is even worse. But, uh, you know, they're both not good. <laughs> <laughs> both are not good. Both, both are the, not good. Same end result, right? Same, same corruption, same problems with the game. It's just like the guy claiming he had no knowledge of it is the guy who's going to fix it. Well, if it's been going on for 25 years and you had, you know, you had no knowledge of it, how are years. you the guy to fix it? That's just cr And if you're a 79-year-old man who looks like a Bond villain... Who is sexist, you know, patriarchal, chauvinist, chauvinist yeah. arrogant. How do we make women's soccer more exciting? I mean, we I don't... Should wear tighter shirts. I, I'm not, I'm not <laughs> sure. I'm not, I'm not sure I could find anything good to say about the man, except he's very politically Machiavellian. I'll give him that. He knows the right people to bribe. Well, or, apparently he's... Uh, or, or maybe he didn't bribe them. Maybe Africa Confederation just loves him so much because, you know... Uh, he's cunning, that's for sure. You know, he helped them get their first World Cup through completely legal means. He's definitely cunning. Like I said, Machiavellian. He's almost like that guy where he wants you to think he's stupider than he is, right? <laughs> like, he must. It must, like, part, partly be an act, and this guy's really smart underneath, and he just wants to seem like this senile, like, sexist grandpa. <laughs> Yeah. It's a ploy. The whole thing is a charade. Possibly, you know, you never know. Those are the guys you got to watch out for. Right? It's all an act. He has an island somewhere where the volcano opens up. Now, what's his master plan? World domination? Yeah, and he's just consolidating power. He's like more power. Yeah. Through soccer. More, more people. More people. I'm giving money to, and then they're money then they vote me president again, even though I tell them I'll never run again. Five times, yeah. dude. Well, he said last time he'd never run again. <laughs> and so, like, so this time he said he's never going to run again. So wait, I this, have a question. So this is his last term, just like the last one was his last term. Right, right. Yeah. Like it's Jay Z's last album. It's, oh yeah, and they keep getting better. They keep getting better. <laughs> they keep getting better. Sorry, Ho. Sorry, Ho. No, Still but with, with with Bladder, dude, like um, he, he uh, 
I have a question. Okay, the question is about the um, the process in which they vote because the prince, right? He pulled out after the first round of votes. Is that what yeah, it is? Yeah, apparently from what I read, and I don't have this on stat, but I'm pretty sure it's factual. To win the first vote, you need a two-thirds majority, and they were short. It was like 130 to 70, just shy of the two-thirds by the slimmest of margins. Okay. And at that point, the prince conceded because it was unrealistic to think he was going to win in the next step. He just didn't have enough money to grease those fuckers. All the right people had already been greased. It was too late. Yeah. You know, like I said, there's 209 federations. Africa's 54. Africa's 25. Africa's more than 25%. You've got Africa on lock bribing the head of their confederacy. He's handed it out to the other 54 nations who all operate, you know, Africa, all those countries within that continent. You've got literally almost 50% of what you need to make things happen. Mm -hmm. So you don't need Europe. He didn't have any of Europe. It didn't matter. Right? So what do you propose? You have delegates, and then each, each country gets a delegate by the, uh, by the power of their, uh, their international, um, not their international, but, their, but their, their country, league? I mean, first thing would be setting like basic restrictions on like hosting of tournaments, first and foremost. You know, you've got to really take the money out of that, add transparency, show the bidding process. Make it about getting the best value for the country hosting it. If they do need to build anything, uh, yeah, not taking not, away the not, tax, not passing on the cost to them and taking the pro- the proceeds and bribes, you know, tax free. Uh, structural things like that at that level, where you're just not making it in a position to be as exploited. You know, not putting it in countries where they're going to use third world labor, requiring them to use unions and things like that. You know, if, if it's going to be built. Let them use their own workers, not some private firm you're going to outsource it to who doesn't invest that money somehow in developing the point, the point is, is that the, any games, any large international games like this, the Olympics, FIFA, World Cup, you need to it have should uplift. It should uplift the world, not be a drain on it. Well, here's the problem. Right? Every, everybody wants to have this dream. Of but like, the corporate sponsors get that tax revenue. That's what they did in Brazil. They took the tax money. It was like a hundred, and it was anywhere from three hundred eighteen million dollars to uh, to something else that they lost, and uh, it all went to like the corporate sponsors. <laughs> yeah, Coca Cola and McDonald's and shit. Sounds about right. Yeah. Yep. But so I mean, for me, like I said, it's a structural thing. I don't know how you can change the voting because you then always risk that problem of every smaller country feels like they're on NATO and they're not, you know, a major country. Because those major countries then just, I guess every World Cup then would be in, you know, England, France, the United States, Italy, Spain. Well, look, I'm not saying... It would only be in those countries and those countries would decide everything if that's how it was like NATO, right? Because everybody else has to backpack onto the power countries because they have the deciding votes. Right, but what I'm saying is, is that you 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 don't have to all necessarily put them in these these tournaments in these countries. Um, what what I think, because of the way soccer is, as far as a, a uniting game around the world that everybody can relate to in the poorest of countries or in the prosper most prosperous of countries, that you could really use these games as a way to boost some sort of economic growth in a country. You hit it on the head, bro. I'm so with you 100%. It should be about making money for the people, 
the host country. Yeah. That's who it should be about. It's not making money for these rich old cronies sitting on their fat asses flying in you know private jets to be put up in five-star penthouses to sit back and count their money as they hand out bribes and take kickbacks from corporate sponsors. It's not about them. Right, like the jokes it's about the hotel in South Africa, all the hotels. Remember they did, had all the jokes. People were like tweeting back like, oh, this is my hotel and the water's not running. These things aren't done. Yeah, you're in South Africa. <laughs> yeah. You're no kidding, right? I mean, it's not going to be the freaking Conrad Hilton. Sorry. Not, not going to be that. It's not going to be at that level for you. Sorry, sir. Yeah, sorry. We're in South Africa, you know, but it's not about that. You should be here for the beautiful game of soccer. But instead, like this corruption, what it leads to is this is is this exploitation of labor. Yeah. Um, exploitation of the local population. Of the local population, um, overburdening of, of their, their infrastructure, right? And then leaving them with these empty vessels. Of, and remembrances of these games that are never going to be used, like that fucking stadium in the middle of the Amazon. Well, they say there's like four to five stadiums, they think, in Brazil that are going to be like that. And there's already like three to four stadiums like that in South Africa. They're just locked. And what about like Sochi? And they're, right? they're, hey, they're, like, what's that like hey, right they're, they're just locked up. They're just locked up getting shit on by pigeons. That's the state of most of these stadiums. Like They're unused. Dude. There's no point for them. There's no purpose. And they're technological. Well, dig that thing up and ship it over here to San Diego so we can keep the Chargers around. <laughs> yeah. Wait, See, but the... I mean, that's what they do here. That's what you're talking about, right? I mean, that's a big discussion in San Diego right now is that, you know, the Chargers are always threatening to leave. They're going to go to Los Angeles. They're going to go here. And everybody's like, all right. And half the city is like, oh, we want you to stay. And then half the city is like, what? Who are the Chargers? And then, but they want us to build a stadium with taxpayer money. Yeah, when there's already like a, a, a shortfall in the city budget. Well, building a billion dollar stadium is always going to be a big red mark on the city budget, wherever it is. Well, I mean, I don't, I don't think we should build a stadium. I mean, how many corporations like get their, their headquarters built by the city? And how much do they really bring to the city? I don't know. I'm not saying that, that I know these things, but I find it a little ridiculous in these times when everything else is strained. You know, um, I do find it interesting, like you said... It, they don't even try to work with the city. They try to shake them down for it, right? We're going to leave. Because there has to be, there is some benefit. So maybe it is should something where it's be a shared cost. But it's like, hey, give us a billion dollars for a stadium or else we're going to go to L.A. Yeah. <laughs> hey, with the current team you have, go to L.A. Uh-huh. You know, you want to improve that team, maybe we'll keep you. Right. And and so the the whole point is is that these, these tax revenues, the, the, what we're talking about kind of linked to this is that FIFA comes in and they ask to be uh, – they asked to change um, the tax, to give tax breaks um, to give corporate sponsors money instead of what I would consider to be the right thing to do would be to um, give that money to uh, better roads, schools, whatever's going on in that in that that area. Because we we know that that's that that soccer is loved in the most impoverished of nations, man. I mean, and that is the beauty of the game is simple, that it, it reaches simple. in there to those areas where you can now it makes it accessible an accessible avenue in order to get in and make some a difference. But instead, we have Seth Blatter and these other nine assholes who are extorting people and then putting a game in. And a, and a beautiful tournament in Qatar where it's been 
documented that this slave labor goes on. I mean, like you were talking about the UAE, right? Same type yeah, of thing. Yeah, Dubai, how they built Dubai essentially was with the same type of labor, Pakistan, Indian. And I heard outsource. that some of these people building these stadiums in, um, in Qatar were uh, Nepalese. Yeah. And so they, but they hold their passports. When they come in, they take their passports, their sponsor or whoever it is, and then they wouldn't let them go back. Legally, you can't leave without your passport and your employer holds your passport while you're in the country. And they wouldn't give it to them. They couldn't go back for the for the uh, earthquake. And they had family members that had like died in like the earthquakes, you know, in Nepal. I mean, we just had two major. I mean, that's another story, and that's a really tragic one. Uh, you know, all the, the slave labor, essentially. I mean, that's really what it is. You're tricked with a false contract, told you're going to be paid more than you're going to be paid. The hour you're going to work and be shorter, they're going to work. The living conditions you're going to get are going to be better. Instead, you worked all day sleeping in rooms with 20 or 30 men with one toilet for 300 men in unsafe conditions where you could die, not able to leave at free will, limited in your movements because of the laws there as a foreigner. Tragic stuff. We could go into that for days. So that's at the root of a lot of this, like you said, is exploiting the situation. I mean, instead of, like we said, using a union, using the local construction companies, it's like, no, we're going to use this private corporation as friends of ours, where they're going to outsource the labor from anywhere they want, so that way they can do it cheaper than the contract they got. But you know what? That's not so, that's not something uncommon to American business either. That's I just common, know to, that. common to business. Here's what common happens, to business, right? period. In like Iraq or Afghanistan, you have people that, uh, companies like Kellogg, Brown, and Root, who run the, uh, the, the chow halls. Is that former Halliburton? Yes, it's a, it's a subsidiary of Halliburton. And what they do is that they get people from the poorest areas as well to work and serve food to the soldiers. That This goes on. Every major military installation within a combat zone, this happens. And they might have a fixed price in their contract that we're getting paid X amount of dollars for the person doing this job. And then what they actually are paying that person is the difference they're making times however many people they're hiring to do that job. Right. So it's a multiplying effect. If you're skimming $5 an hour per person for 10 hours a day, you know, each person's $50. Well, if you're doing that for a thousand people, you know, you can really start skimming money off the top real fast, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It says... Uh, Qatar re relies heavily on migrant workers. About 94% of the workforce, or 1.5 million people, come from places like India and Sri Lanka. 94%. The most desperate people, man. People who are willing to leave their country, their family, their loved ones, to send back their, like, just a little bit of money, live in squalor, uh -huh. to just send back a little money. I mean, this is really, really just cronyism that it's worse. And they're not paid on like a schedule. It's not like I get paid every two weeks. Like, no. They sometimes they get their 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 wages held and other things like this. I mean, you have to understand it. It really is a form of slavery because they have these people hostage. Essentially, yes. Essentially, yes. Yeah. Right. In a form. I mean, it's not. They're they're paying them, but it's like yeah, they're, they're, tra get, they're trapped. You get it when when you get. It. They're they're trapped. So, they're, they're trapped illegally. They they fell into the legal legal you know trap. Essentially, it's an abyss. There's no escape from it. You, yeah. You, you can't get out. And they're building pyramids for Pharaoh and love soccer. Crazy. <laughs> Crazy. Seriously, I mean, like, but, so, this is the end result of such high-level corruption. You think about it, it's all about money, but it's not. It's about human lives. And it, when it comes down to it, it, it trickles all the way down why to is this Why is this happening now, though? That's what, you know, you always want to go to the next level. Let's go a little deeper. Why is it happening now? I mean, Russia loves to call out names and point fingers at the United States, but Russia's like, funny timing, this goes down now. And I mean, I don't like to ever say Russia's right, because Russia's a pretty messed up country in its own regards, but 
they do make an eloquent point of like, why is this happening now? So such a well, why shouldn't it happen? When was it going to happen? Such a coincidence that now we got the investigation. This is like we've known about this corruption for 25, 30 plus years. What, it took 25, 30 years to get one mole in the system? So you think it's a distraction or what? No, it's just like, I, who wasn't happy in England or the United, United States? States right. or this, who didn't get their bribe money? Yeah. Who, who, was, yeah, pro, yeah. who was promised the, the World Cup in 2018 or 22 and it didn't work out? They didn't bribe the wrong guys and get the right amount of money or set up the right relationships. Uh -huh. And this was blowback. Well, I heard this. there was. Who was it like, that, that was pissed that's the theory. in 2022? Every, everybody was pissed about 2022. Like England didn't even make it to the Final Four. But Qatar, like, people were crazy. I think Germany especially thought they'd get it in 2022, I believe. I'd have to check the voting record. But Qatar was like an insult to everybody else because they're like, how is this possible? This is like the least least likely place that should win and least likely place we want to hold a World Cup. They win. actually have to move the World Cup from the summer. If people don't know, I know the last World Cup was actually pretty popular in the United States, which was awesome to see. But... If people don't know, the World Cup takes place in the summer. Yeah. So, and in Qatar, it's literally impossible. So the like, can't do it. The last World Cup, ladies and gentlemen, it was in Brazil. And I mean, Brazil is pretty hot. Water breaks, you first know? time ever. First time ever in the history of the World Cup, they allowed the referee to call water breaks because the humidity is so high. So it would be 100 degrees outside with 90% humidity, and the referees were calling water breaks. It was something weird to see. It's like a kid's soccer match where they break for oranges. So, uh, sorry about that. Cell phone right here. <laughs> Gotta mute that phone. No, David, I don't want to talk to you right now. Not right now, David. But uh, it was weird. And that was Brazil. Now let's add 20, 30 degrees to that in temperature. Let's make it 20% hotter from a point where you had to take water breaks. People could die. Yeah. Well, and that's not a joke. Yeah, people like, could die. People, so, in the, people in the stands, not the players. My, my, point, my point is, is that they actually are moving it to the fall. Which is gonna fuck up all of they the, they, is this new? Is this recent? The they, they yeah, yeah. I saw that they're gonna move it to fall, which is gonna which is gonna screw up, um, you know, everybody's league. Everybody's league. They're saying, hey, you guys have to pause for a month. You guys all lose money for a month. You guys all need to change your TV deals for a month. All because we want to do something different because we already took our bribes. Exactly, and see, that's that's what I mean. Those are ramifications. Those are the, the ripple effect. Of, of course, what comes the off the domino of effect, like the ripple effect. It, it, it extends it, to everywhere and everything. Yeah, it just permeates every bit. Everything's affected by soccer. Well, hey, like you said, Sepp Blatter reelected. Yeah, I mean, we, we have we have we have a couple of uh, you know false impressionados fall on their swords to make everyone feel better about the situation. Uh huh. Just a couple people, you know, fourteen people. How many people do you think are really implicitly involved in this corruption? At this level, probably, oh. probably probably thousands, without a doubt. You know, yeah. So we'll we'll see what develops in this story. Uh, I mean, I'm a huge fan of soccer. It's something sad to to see. Uh, I'm not sure if it's gonna any good's gonna come of it. You know, it's like yeah, this is good. We're gonna clean the game up. I'm not sure if it's gonna clean the game up. I'm I'm glad that people are more aware of this problem, and uh, you know, hopefully we'll see things move in a positive direction, like you said, Matt, where. The game can be used to uplift countries, economically invigorate the local economy, bring us together, not become this corporate marketplace to, you know, exploit people for the highest bidder. Well, look, it's not like we're saying that these people can't make money uh, like, like a normal executive team that runs an international organization could. That'd be fine. But the fact of the matter is, is when you're a nonprofit organization, you're holding on to $1.4 billion of cash money. 
Like it's about having ethics. It's about having ethics. And it's, more, about, it's morals, about doing you know? what's right. Morals like you know, you're 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 you you are the head of a of a of an organization that I mean, it affects millions of lives around the world. We all know that youth soccer is massive, even though that 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 at a higher level, soccer isn't touted as one of the big three in sports in the United States, but or the big four. But the fact of the matter is, is that we all can relate to soccer in some way because most of us. Somewhere between the ages of five and twelve, kick the soccer ball. Yeah, uh, what AYSO's biggest sport in the in the country, right? One hundred thirty million kids play it a year, or something like that. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, we've all gone through that phase. Nobody wants to grow up and be, uh, you know, an aged European superstar playing the MLS. You know, you want, if you're in England, you want to be in David Beckham when he was playing for Man United, not when he's playing for the LA Galaxy. Right. Well, so you know that that's the problem it's here. Not bad being a star in LA and you're like in the twilight of your career, and all of a sudden you're revitalized. No, no. I mean, if we wanted to talk about like sports marketing strategies, I think what the MLS is doing with bringing over aging superstars to show off the league, I think it's a smart practice. I'm just saying to get kids to want to be the level max, of MLS is going up. It keeps going. It's gradual. It, we, it is. we got a long ways to oh, go, yeah, my for friend. Sure. The popularity of soccer is growing in the states, though. I see lots of. Uh, fans in soccer pubs, lots of people True. wearing soccer jerseys. Time, yep. So there's a lot of American soccer fans. You think fans though that that might just be regional though because of no, where I, we are? I don't. When, no. I, when I was in San Francisco, any major city, I think you're going to see a big fan base for international teams because people in major cities just seem to be a big fan of international soccer. From where I found, at least on the West Coast. What about Oklahoma City? At least on the West Coast, I said. Okay. Okay. Atlanta. West Coast. Gotcha. Okay. So, yeah. So, anyway, what they're doing is I, I actually found the date. They're actually moving the World Cup um, where the final will be held on December 18th, 2022. So, think about that for a second. So, you're going to start the Premier League in September, uh, August, and then you're going to take a break for 30 days while your freaking best players go play in the World Cup tournament where we just know it's just balls to the wall. They need time to prepare before, recover after, plus play international friendlies for warm-ups, play the qualifiers. Which they do that for years anyway, I mean, but... I'm just saying it all builds up to that. Well, you're restructuring everything based on that. Oh, if, you if, gotta, you know, it's got to be a different mindset of how you approach the season, for sure. you got to look at this giant set of chess pieces and be like, well, now everything on the board has to be changed because of this one event. Like you said, the ripple effect. There's just so much to take. It's the ripple effect of this corruption. So what happens is corrupts other things, inadvertently or, or on purpose. But it, it, it just seeps in. Like I said, it permeates all things, especially with an organization that's so large. Blows my mind when we think about it, my friend. Do you have any? Do you have any parting thoughts? Uh, you know, I kind of summarized mine about you know let's let's keep it economically positive. What what do you think? What are your part, parting thoughts? Well, that's exactly it. I think that we need to look at the way that these organizations do business um, and 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 pressure them as a society or to do good for the the world and actually promote the values in which the sports inherently possess. And that is to the, the, the cooperation, uh, the uh, you know, self-respect, the respect of others. Um, you know, everybody can do everything well um, you know, and, and, and uplift the communities in which they come in and operate for a very short time and not just bleed them dry. That's what, that's what I think we should, we should focus on. I mean, but at the same time, we have to look at it. it Everybody within that organization at that top level is un, is complicit. They, they you cannot operate like that for twenty some years 
and have one person that really doesn't know what the hell is going on. The most powerful person. The most powerful person. I mean, come on, let's be serious. So, you know, that's that's unfortunate. But anyway, that's really what I think about it. I mean, I think that uh, it's it's a good show of force by the United States, I guess you would say, the justice system. But at the same time, I mean, we could have done a lot of things. <laughs> they could have proved their, their force a couple weeks ago as well uh, in the bank decision and, and who they prosecuted there. So... You know, I don't know. I don't know, man. It, it, it's, it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate with such a beautiful game that touches so many lives. You're speaking to my heart, Matt, and I hope you're speaking to the, the hearts and minds of the ladies and gentlemen out there. We appreciate your time as always. Watch the Champions League final next week. Oh, Barca yeah. Juventus. Go Barca. Whoever go Barca. wins is going to be a worthy champion. I'll Messi's say that. goal today. Holy cow. Maradona asked. Just but, dribble through everybody. Matt, thanks again for, for sharing your thoughts and time as always. It was yeah, fun. That was a good one. Peace out, ladies and gentlemen. Later.